Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Brian Wiedenmeyer, executive director of the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. We're talking today about the new plan to make Market Street car-free, the horrible year on the Vision Zero front, and why he thinks going to Golden Gate Park on a Sunday is almost like going to church. Brian Wiedenmeyer, thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Heather. Thanks for having me. So we're both a little tired. Mm -hmm. It was election night last night. (laughs) We still don't know exactly who's won and who's lost, but I know you're paying a lot of attention to the tax on rideshare companies. Can you talk about how it's looking so far and what that would do if it does pass? Well, right now, as we sit here on Wednesday morning uh, after Election Day, it is very, very close. Prop D requires two-thirds plus one to win. And the latest count from the Department of Elections was 66.66% in favor. No, really literally a handful of votes um, uh, that would put it over the top. Um, So we are optimistic at the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition and um, the coalition of other folks, elected officials and community organizations who supported Prop D, uh, that as more ballots are counted, it will prevail. Mm -hmm. And, And what that means for San Francisco, and in particular, for people who bike in our city, is tens of millions of dollars in additional funding, both for Muni, uh, to keep Muni operating um, and reliable, and uh, tens of millions of dollars for bicycle and pedestrian safety uh, projects across our city. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me before we started recording how difficult it was just to get this on the ballot. Can you explain? Yeah, it's it's it sounds like a cop-out to say this again and again, but the fact is in the state of California, what we call transportation network companies, Mm -hmm. Uber and Lyft, essentially. Mm -hmm. They're regulated in Sacramento. And so in order for San Francisco to be able to tax those rides, we had to go to Sacramento and get authorization through the state legislature and and have it signed by the governor. So this was uh, an over a year-long process to get even to this point to put it to the voters. And in order to make that happen, um, those of us who've been saying for years, we need to do something about Uber and Lyft Mm -hmm. and the impact they're having on our city in terms of safety, in terms of congestion, um, in terms of taking away riders from Muni. Um, there needs to be a way to recapture some of that value and, and to start to regulate them. Mm-hmm. That had to happen in Sacramento. And in order for that to happen, it required a lot of negotiations with those two companies. Because um, as you and I were talking about, um, we feel these impacts in San Francisco in a really acute way. Tens of thousands of additional drivers coming into our city every day from places like Sacramento to, um, you know, from the East Bay and other Bay Area counties. People in other parts of the state aren't necessarily experiencing those impacts. So if you're a legislator representing suburban San Diego County or Fresno, um, you're not going to be hearing the same um, urgency from your constituents about solving and fixing this problem. So Mm -hmm. when you have to vote on a bill like this, um, what Uber and Lyft have to say about how you vote matters a lot. Yeah. 
Well, the Bicycle Coalition had a big win the other week when the SFMTA voted to approve the Better Market Streets project, mm-hmm. which will eventually make the city's main drag car free and build protected bike lanes from Embarcadero mm-hmm. to Octavia. And this was a long time coming. Do you think the tide is turning in this, in terms of the city emphasizing safety for bicyclists and pedestrians over cars, or do you think this was just kind of a, a one-off? It's a huge deal uh, having Better Market Street unanimously approved, and I don't think it's a one-off. I think this is a sign of a shift in both public opinion um, and the public appetite for things like car-free space mm-hmm. and um, redesigning and transforming our streets to put people first. But it's also a, a shift in political leadership. You had everyone from Mayor Breed um, to a unanimous vote on the board of the SFMTA um, to folks like Supervisor Matt Haney um, standing up and saying, this is a project our city needs. And it took us a decade to get here, over a decade to get here, because that leadership wasn't always there and the public sentiment wasn't always as as broad as it is in support of projects like this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the public sentiment is turning? I think like so many things in San Francisco, um, people's everyday transportation choices and experiences um, are the quality of that has gone down. Mm-hmm. We've seen our streets become so much more congested yeah. um, with with tens of thousands of additional vehicles and and not just Uber and Lyft, to be fair. Mm-hmm. These are delivery vehicles. They're um, people commuting into the city. Um, the experience of moving around the city has become worse for a lot of folks. And with Market Street in particular, I didn't talk to anybody who would say to me, whether I bike, whether I walk, take transit, I love going down Market Street. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the highlight of my day. So we we all know no matter how we get around, things need to be better. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also with the high number of serious injuries and um, deadly car uh, crashes that we've had mm-hmm. um, on our city streets in the past year, folks are saying like this is we've got to do something to change this. And um, I'm really thrilled um, at the changes we're going to see in Market Street starting in January. Great. Um, And despite that success, overall, as you just mentioned, it's been a horrible year on the Vision Zero front. Um, The city set a goal of zero traffic fatalities by 2024. We're halfway to that and from when the goal was set, and we're actually going backward Mm -hmm. in terms of traffic deaths this Mm -hmm. year. Um, What's contributing to that, do you think, and where is the city going wrong in terms of its response? This has been a really tough year. Um, We had been in 2017 and 2018 making some um, nominal progress in reducing the number of uh, collisions that result in death mm-hmm. on our streets. And in 2019, so far this year, we've seen a reverse in that trend, particularly for people walking and and seniors mm-hmm. um, trying to cross our streets. Um, there isn't an easy answer about what what's changed to make that happen. Um, we spend a lot of time at the Bike Coalition and mm-hmm. with our partners at WalkSF. Um, and and folks in city government thinking about you know what 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 are the factors that lead to um, fatal collisions mm-hmm. and there are things that probably won't surprise you speed mm-hmm. failing to yield um, uh, there's the what we call the five most deadly traffic behaviors so what we know is those are happening more often and um, it could be because of increased congestion there's just more cars on mm-hmm. our road. Um, and we know that um, the streets, as they're designed right now, remain insufficient. We've made progress to um, transforming some of our streets. So mm-hmm. um, big wins um, on Valencia Street, north of 15th Street. Um, I just biked here this morning up Folsom Street. 
Um, and then I turned on Fifth Street where a protected bike lane is going in as we talk right uh -huh. now on both sides. So um, we need to be doing more and we need to be doing it faster. Mm -hmm. And protected bike lane lanes seem so obvious and yet it's mm -hmm. a constant struggle to get them built quickly. And when they are built, cars and trucks often mm -hmm. block them or use them as parking spaces mm -hmm. or just don't even get what they are. Um, where do you think is the disconnect and why in such a creative, innovative city mm -hmm. are bike improvements so hard to actually get done? So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that it's so common <laughs> sense. Um, you know, and I think, again, when I said that the, the tide of public opinion is turning to largely be in favor of the kind of projects and infrastructure that we've been fighting for for years, I think that's true. When I have conversations with people across the spectrum, whether mm -hmm. they're a small business owner, an elected official, somebody that's a neighbor of a project, the conversation's never about why anymore. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to build a protected bike lane to keep people safe? Mm -hmm. People are in, largely in agreement about that. The The issue in the rub always comes with the how part. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that look like when it actually goes? Take away parking spaces. <laughs> what does that actually look like when uh -huh. when it goes in the ground? And um, our streets um, in in San Francisco are, are some of the last spaces where everybody really feels like they have some kind of say in, mm -hmm. in in what what goes on in our streets. Whether that's because they park their car there, they drive down that street to get to work, they cross that street, they bike on it. Um, we all feel like we have a stake and and something to say when it comes to. Um, how our streets are designed and how they function. And so when you talk about changing something like a loading zone or removing some street parking, people get very anxious. And and part and I, I understand a part of that, that so much is changing in our city. And um, I think people feel on edge about a lot of that change. Yeah. Um, certainly with housing and displacement, I know you do great work writing about the crisis and homelessness on our streets. Um, some of that same anxiety uh, surrounds transportation mm -hmm. and um, folks feeling like their car is something they need and uh, whether it's to get to work or to take their kids to soccer practice, whatever it might be, and, and um, a change threatens that. Mm -hmm. So I think people are just in general uneasy about change and um, it comes down to the details and literally when we do this work, it's looking block by block about how this is going to look when it goes in. Yeah. And then on the scooter front, mm -hmm. <laughs> another perennial topic of debate in the city. Um, where do you stand on the mm -hmm. issue of electric bikes and scooters and other um, shared uh, vehicles for rent that are being placed around the city? Should yeah. we have a limit on those or do you think the more the merrier? Maybe let's start with, you, you mentioned electric bikes mm -hmm. and e-assist bikes. And I want to bring that topic up because I think for a lot of people listening who say that's, a, that's great, you know, um, all for more bikes, but I would never be able to ride a bike in San Francisco because I live on a hill mm -hmm. because I live out in the outer sunset and I work downtown because, um, you know, I have a family with children. Mm -hmm. The electric assist bikes and that motor really breaks down a lot of those barriers. So um, e-assist bikes are great. And I rode that, that a lot on our 49-mile <laughs> And you're seeing drive more of them. And it was so much easier. Yeah, and, and families with cargo bikes taking their kids to school. So um, in general, electric assist bikes have been a game changer for anyone who's ever said I would bike in San Francisco if, mm -hmm. fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen companies come into our city and, and into the market looking to um, launch services like shared uh, electric bikes, um, scooter share. And um, I think we are in favor at the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition, Coalition of regulation from the city that promotes the values that we all want to see. So transportation should be affordable. Mm -hmm. It should be accessible. It should be sustainable. 
And if companies can come in and cooperate and, um, you know, work with the city and work with community partners to provide to that service, fantastic. Um, the more scooters and the more bikes that are getting people out of Uber and Lyft cars, mm-hmm. um, out of their own private vehicles, I think that's a win for everybody in San Francisco. You know, for scooters in particular, um, we really stood with our partners at Walk SF and folks in the senior and disability community to say, okay, we have a problem with the sidewalk. And we really need to make sure that our sidewalk is a safe place for people to walk, for people in wheelchairs or motorized scooters to um, to get by. And I think by and large, by uh, requiring those scooters be locked to something, mm-hmm. we've solved that problem. So once we've we've made it clear, okay, this is uh, scooters don't belong on sidewalks. Mm-hmm. You realize they belong in the street and they belong in the bike lane. And so all of a sudden we're welcoming all sorts of people into a space where they haven't been before. And, you know, I'm excited because I think potentially you have a new audience of folks who's seeing, gosh, this doesn't feel, feel safe at all for me to be on this scooter on this street. I wish there was a better way, mm-hmm. you know, that would encourage more people um, to, to take this form of transportation. So I see it, you know, potentially as a way to really grow our movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, again, for me, that measure is, are we taking trips that would have been made in a car mm-hmm. and getting people on a different mode? And I think um, I'm hopeful that that's what Scooter Share and mm-hmm. certainly e-bike share is doing. Cool. And then um, there's always the issue of where to park your bike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, you have a bicycle valet program at the coalition, which Mm -hmm. is becoming more popular and is available at, um, I believe, all Giants games, home Mm -hmm. games and all events at the new Chase Center. Um, Was that a struggle or did the teams get the importance of that pretty quickly? And how many people are using the service? We've been uh, providing valet bicycle parking for um, almost 20 years now at the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. um, And when Oracle Park opened... Mm -hmm. um, we were there from day one, uh, uh, providing attended free bicycle parking. So um, actually, there was just a survey that uh, the Giants did um, looking at people who came to games at Oracle Park. And they surveyed people and they asked them about how satisfied they were with their trip to get to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And the group with the highest level of satisfaction were the people who biked oh, cool. to games at Oracle Park. And if you've ever done it, um, it's easy to understand why. You yeah. ride right up to the the park. Um, it takes a minute or two to write your information down. Mm-hmm. You leave your bike with one of our staff and it's there for you when you're done with the game. Um, with Chase Center, you know, we had been working with the Warriors um, and the city and, and um, community stakeholders for a long time, um, really once the arena was proposed. I think everybody was concerned about transportation. There's mm-hmm. not going to be a lot of parking mm-hmm. at Chase Center. Um, how do we make sure that this uh, venue is accessible and doesn't create total gridlock in the neighborhood around when it opens. Mm-hmm. And so biking was always a part of that conversation. And we, um, the Warriors have been great partners and Chase Center have been great partners in ensuring that there was room and space for for this very specific function in the arena when it was built. And, mm-hmm. and, and we're operating right off of 16th Street. We have room for um, up to 300 bikes. Um, and uh, each game and event, um, we see more and more folks rolling up and, and leaving their bikes with us. You're listening to my interview with Brian Wiedenmeyer. We'll be right back after a short break. I'm back with Brian Wiedenmeyer, director of the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. 
Uh, Golden Gate Park is closed to cars on one section of JFK Drive on Sundays and Mm -hmm. some Saturdays. Do you think that's enough or would you like to see more closures in our main park? You know, we talked about Market Street Mm -hmm. and um, the the big vote that happened to uh, restrict private automobiles for the basically the the whole length of that project from Mm -hmm. uh, the Embarcadero, Stewart Street to um, Goff Street. And and we're talking about two miles of car-free street Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And um, I think it shows that there is an appetite and there is a desire to see more space where people can feel comfortable walking, biking, roller skating, jogging, (laughs) however you get around, um, without the fear of being run over Mm -hmm. or hit by a car. And as we look to other parts of the city where it makes sense to expand that space and and do what cities like Barcelona have done with their super block system where they've got grids of streets where some are prioritized for cars mm-hmm. and some are just prioritized hmm. for people walking and biking. Uh, we look to what Manhattan's doing in, in New York City. Uh, Central Park is now car-free. Um, Prospect Park in Brooklyn is car-free. Where are the places in San Francisco where it makes sense for us to have more of that space? And Golden Gate Park is at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Again, it's one of those places that every San Franciscan, I think, feels like they belong there. Mm-hmm. Um, they see themselves there and they use that park. So if you've ever been to JFK Drive on a car-free Sunday, um, it is, it's one of my favorite experiences in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm not a particularly spiritual person, uh-huh. but when the sun is out and there are children and families and seniors and you know, you've got the, the smell of the eucalyptus in mm-hmm. the air and... Uh, it is as close to kind of like a, a paradise that, that I can imagine in Aww. our city. We we talk about what's wrong with San Francisco mm-hmm. so much and what needs to be fixed. Golden Gate Park and JFK Drive on a car-free Sunday is what's right with yeah. San Francisco. And so the, the opportunities that we have within the park to expand that space, I think, um, you know, we can talk about right now half of the Saturdays a year are car-free. What does that look like all of the year, mm-hmm. you know? What does it look like in making all of JFK Drive car-free permanently? Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, another street that goes through the park, um, uh, MLK Drive. Um, and, and really, as part of that, ensuring access for everybody. This is not about limiting access for people with disabilities. Um, mm-hmm. We've done a lot of work with stakeholders in the park to ensure that we're improving the shuttle service, that mm-hmm. um, there's more blue zones for parking. Um, people with disabilities should also be able to enjoy mm-hmm. car-free space and enjoy the safety that that provides. Mm-hmm. So um, I see a huge opportunity in Golden Gate Park in the year ahead, especially with the 150th anniversary coming up in yeah. April. Yeah. Cool. Very well said. Um, and where do you live? And is your bike your mm-hmm. number one mm-hmm. mode of transportation? You know, we're in my neighborhood, Heather. Oh. I live south of Market um, in the western side of Soma. Okay. Um, and my bike has been my primary fort of of transportation since I moved to San Francisco uh-huh. 13 years ago. Do you own a car? I do not. Okay. No. Do you ride Muni? I do. Yeah. Um, and and as I like to say, we all start and end the day as pedestrians. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so what do you think of bicycling in San Francisco? Now, a lot of people think it seems too scary to even mm-hmm. attempt. So do you feel scared on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis? And how do you talk to people who are kind of on the edge of whether they want to try it or not? So like I've said, um, I've been doing this for 13 years. Um, and I, in that time, I want to say I've seen vast improvements in the infrastructure and in the number of people biking in our city. And I still get have close calls and mm-hmm. get scared mm-hmm. on a fairly regular basis. And um, so that's, you know, I know viscerally that we need better infrastructure on our streets and we need 
we need people driving to slow down. And um, a neighborhood like Soma, uh, I just last night got the the traffic jam trying to get on the freeway near where I live. Uh, I tried crossing the street at Ninth and Bryant to go to the Trader Joe's mm-hmm. to get some groceries, and it was taking your life in your own hands. So mm-hmm. there's there's things that need to be fixed. What I say to folks who um, think about or thinking about biking, but have reservations about safety. First, um, uh, the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition offers free classes mm-hmm. year-round to anyone who's thinking about biking in our city. Those are both classroom classes that cover the rules of the road, how to bike safely, and they're they're actually on-the-road classes. Um, if you need to learn how to ride a bike, if you don't know how to ride a bike as an adult, we teach that class. So go to sfbike.org, and there's a ton of resources and, and educational opportunities all for free that we offer. Um, and then I say, you know, really it's about, um, just like anything else, finding someone who knows what they're doing, uh, maybe someone you work with, someone you live with, um, a friend, a neighbor, a loved one, to try it out with you. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, you've survived the serious questions, <laughs> and now it's time for the lightning round. Yeah. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? <sighs> this is such a perennially, perennially tough question. Um my favorite is El Castillito on Church Street. Okay. And I get the El Pastor. Nice. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? <sighs> Sister Act, the first one. Oh, my gosh. Did you know that we're showing it on December 5th at the Balboa Theater? I did not know, but I'll get my ticket you should get a after ticket. the podcast. <laughs> my colleague Peter Hartlob and I had a debate whether our next Total SF movie should be that, which was my choice, or Sister um Star Trek Four, which was his choice. Oh, yeah, that was so. the um, the one where they land the, the ship in Golden Gate Park, right? Something. Like <laughs> I couldn't even get through it, to be honest. I'm not a spaceship person. So singing nuns are up my alley. Um, Mine too. <laughs> where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? I'm going to go with my neighborhood local, um, mm-hmm. the Lone Star Saloon on Harrison Street. That's a good one. Uh, what was your first concert? Ever. Um Oh, gosh. Wasn't prepared for this one. <laughs> dig back in the recess. I throw some new mind. ones in every now and then. <clears throat> That's okay. We can pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, me, let me come back to that. I, I do want to, I know I've seen <laughs> tons of concerts, but what was the first one, right? Yeah. Or what's yeah. your favorite one you've ever seen? We could switch it up. Oh, gosh. You know, when I was in, in college uh, at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, I went to lots and lots of uh, shows. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll say one of my favorite concerts was seeing the Arcade Fire play right after their funeral album came out in front of like 200 people in a wow. small bar. Yeah, Nice. What was the last book you read? Uh, on topic, I just finished Super Pumped, uh, Mike Isaac's book about Uber. Okay. What is the best street to bicycle on in San Francisco and what is the worst? <laughs> JFK Drive on a car-free Sunday is the best street to ride <laughs> a bike got that on vibe <laughs> in San Francisco. The worst. There are a lot that uh, qualify. Um, Third Street um, on in our southeastern part of the city mm-hmm. through the Bayview is is taking your life into your own hands. Um, Alamany Boulevard uh, is uh, dicey mm-hmm. um, at best. Um, that's dicey for anybody. It is. Mode. Yeah. I, yeah. I uh, but, but, you know, having, having biked down there um, mm-hmm. between pavement issues and, and fast moving cars, mm-hmm. Sloat Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice a the theme here? I'm talking about <laughs> streets ones. on the, yep. uh, on the Southern parts mm-hmm. of our city. Yep. Um, we've done a lot of good work to address um, the streets in kind of the, the Northeastern quarter of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our work remains in the neighborhoods and communities where, um, 
folks and streets have been neglected for many other reasons, yeah. but safety is, is one of them. Hmm. Do you think that's because people in the Northeast are more politically active and get what they want more often? Squeaky wheels? Or? Mm, I think there are squeaky wheels all over the city. I think... <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, the number of people biking in, in kind of the downtown core and mm-hmm. south of the market is higher because of commute patterns. And so there's more voices that mm-hmm. are that are calling. And, and certainly, well, many, many people and many of our members do bike in our western and southern neighborhoods. Um, they're more dispersed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the voices of people driving tend to drown them out. But yeah. um, we're doing a lot of good organizing work in those neighborhoods. And um there are people who bike on all of those streets on a daily basis. And my message to them is like, we see you and we're working on it. Cool. Yeah. How many drivers do you flip off or scream at on a daily basis? Zero. And let me tell you a story, <laughs> um, a couple of stories here. Um, confrontation doesn't win anyone anything. And I get it. You know, when you're on a bike and somebody cuts you off or y- your your physical safety has been threatened, like that adrenaline kicks in. Um, but but. I have seen folks, you know, m- even mildly confront somebody driving because of something they did and um, get pepper sprayed in the face, um, get assaulted. So um, uh, I don't flip off or <laughs> cuss out anybody. And I would strongly recommend um, to all of your listeners that they do the same. I did politely once try to um, point out to an Uber driver that uh, he had cut off somebody in the bike lane on 8th Street and mm-hmm. almost killed them. Oh, my gosh. And I made a polite gesture of, you know, roll down your window. I just want to make sure that you were aware of what you did. And he rolled down his window and spit on me. So Wow. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I, I don't confront people driving. Um, one, you know, there's a safety issue. But two, like, doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the biggest misunderstanding that drivers have about bicyclists? Because whenever mm-hmm. I write about mm-hmm. traffic issues, I get a lot of email from people mm-hmm. who just want to blame everything on bicyclists. You know, I, th- I think your choice of words is interesting and instructive here. You said drivers and bicyclists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to talk about people who drive and people who bike. Uh-huh. And you asked me, do I take Muni? Yeah, people who take Muni, people yeah. who walk. That we are all people trying to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that um, it's easy when you're either behind the windshield and you have all this metal and glass around mm-hmm. you or you're on your bike and uh, traffic is whizzing by and you that fight or flight adrenaline is kicking in mm-hmm. to cast someone else as the other. Mm-hmm. That it's that other person that's behaving that way. And and we share our streets together. Yeah. Um, like so many things in the city, um, if p- folks would just step back and, and see themselves in that other person mm-hmm. um, and have a moment of empathy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we would get along a lot better and we'd have fewer problems. Less road rage, um, less entitled, angry people on bikes, you know, flipping people off. Um, everybody needs to take a deep breath, slow down. Um, so speed is is a huge thing. And um, really my, my advice to people who drive is like, follow the speed limit, yeah. slow down. And for people who bike, it's, you know, follow the rules of the road, be mm-hmm. courteous, mm-hmm. Um, always yield to pedestrians. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we share this space and we need to give a little respect in order to get some in return. And that applies to everybody. Yeah. I notice that people, including myself, are always mad whenever it's the mode that you're not doing at that particular moment. <laughs> like <laughs> when I'm driving, I'm mad at bicyclists. It's, it's that person I'm on a bike. Walking, I'm mad yeah, at drivers. The, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we're... When we're trying to get somewhere, um, we're the hero in our own journey, right? <laughs> and everybody else is out to get us. So yeah. um, it's a natural impulse. But um, yeah, my, my, my advice to folks is slow down, mm-hmm. take a deep breath, 
and, and try to see your friend or your neighbor or your loved one in that other person. Yeah. And have you ever ridden in critical mass? And what are your thoughts on that group? <laughs> Once upon a time, uh-huh. Heather, uh, I did ride in critical mass when I first moved here, 2006, 2007. Um, my thoughts on critical mass are that it uh, was a powerful demonstration of what people on bikes faced in our city um, at a time in San Francisco. And it was a movement that spread worldwide. So um, when I, again, when I was in college in Minneapolis, there was critical mass in the early 2000s there uh-huh. too. Oh, cool. Um, it, it was a movement that had a time and place, and it was really calling desperate attention to what was happening on our streets mm-hmm. and um, uh, the conditions that existed at the time. And I think it grew to a point where um, folks realized, you know, the, what the conditions were on the streets and the the effect it was having on balance was to kind of tick people off more than um, than inspire change mm-hmm. and build support for our movement. So it still happens. Um, uh, it still can be a joyous thing. Um, I, I have uh, really positive memories of the times that I rode in critical mass mm-hmm. um, of, you know, one of the things you realize in, when you do that is all of a sudden a street like, let's take Lombard Street. Mm-hmm. How much space there is, not the not the twisty part. We did that part on critical mass. That's my best critical mass memory is going up to the top and then everybody. <laughs> oh, biking, you did oh biking down the, the twisty part of Lombard Street, but with um, your brakes on the whole time. Or? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> safely and slowly. Um, but you know, how many people can fit on that street when there are no cars there? And it's you know hundreds, wow. and thousands of people um, where you know you would have had a few dozen cars. Mm-hmm. So it, it made a point that I think was powerful to make and. Um, I think largely our movement has has moved beyond that, that mm-hmm. um, people who bike aren't just 20-something white guys. Um, it's moms. Mm-hmm. It's seniors. It's uh, folks working third shift jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a cross-section of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it was a fun time. And I think as, as kind of a movement, um, uh, we're in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, city librarian Michael Lambert told me on this podcast that he skateboarded down Lombard Street as a kid. <laughs> if my boys ever do that, I will kill them. Um, and how old were you when you learned how to ride a bike? It's a good question. Uh, seven or eight years old. Um, and my mom and dad taught me like a lot of a lot of kids um, in, in the driveway. And riding my bike as a child was kind of that first taste of freedom uh-huh. that I experienced. The first time that I was able to... Um, kind of travel beyond my block by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, that memory sticks with me in a really powerful way and mm-hmm. is still something I feel when I'm riding my bike. Cool. If you could change one thing about the way City Hall operates, what would it be? San Francisco is a city that loves process. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Uh, you've written about that extensively, <laughs> so I know you you, you hear me on this. Um and we've built up the process we have in the city with good intentions. Mm-hmm. We're, San Francisco is a city that values democracy and democratic participation. And our process for, let's say, getting a bike lane approved mm-hmm. or building more affordable housing mm-hmm. or, um, you know, whatever it may be. Erecting one statue. <laughs> <laughs> Putting up a statue in front of the library, let's say, uh, is designed to give people input and that's a good thing. Um, but too often we see that, that 
that process gets subverted mm-hmm. and it gets used to stop things from happening. Um, and so if I could change one thing, it would be to continue the process reform that we've started to see mm-hmm. um, at the SFMTA board, for example, with their quick build policy, which is um, a policy that's going to allow projects like protected bike lanes to go in the ground much more quickly and be approved much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing some movement, I think, to try to cut through some of that process mm-hmm. um, while still giving folks a voice. And lastly, what is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? I would say a bike ride, but that's that's just part of it. Um, uh, you know, I, I try to get some exercise. So uh, go to the gym. Um, you ride your bike and go to the gym? Uh-huh, wow. Yep, in the morning <laughs> and then do a little weightlifting and then bike to work. Yeah. Nice. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was fun to talk to you. Heather, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to Brian Wiedenmeyer for joining me today, to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.